This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now the pitch. Strike three call. He has done it. Chris Heston has pitched a no-hitter. The 17th no-hitter in the history of the Giants. That was the final out as Chris Heston etched his name in Giants history with the 17th no-hitter in team history. It remains the most recent no-hitter to this day. But while we remember him for that day, it took a lot to get to that day. Took a bumpy road through the minors before finally getting his shot, which is all detailed here. We go inside Chris Heston's Giant Moments. Now, now, now. This is Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Our franchise has countless memorable, iconic moments. Join Mark Willard as he connects with our former players who lived these moments to relive the emotions, the stories, and the joy. Chris Heston joins us on the Inside Giant Moments podcast. Chris, this is going to be a really fun one as we we dive into a, a truly iconic moment uh, first and foremost, appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to, you know, relive some of that that fun stuff from, you know, years back. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you made a lasting imprint w- without being on the team for a very long time and, and without ever participating in the postseason. And, and that's not easy to do. Uh, but that said, Giants fans are, are going to forever know you and the magical summer of 2015. So real quick, before we go back and kind of walk through that road and, and down the road to your no-hitter, what did you find that summer that allowed you to win 12 Major League ball games? You know, I think it was just, um, you know, I was healthy again. I had some issues with my elbow um, previous years, so I was healthy. You know, I really got in the gym and put on some weight, which was big, and you know, and then I just carried some confidence. I finally, you know, in 2014, got up in September. You know, so I had that had that little taste of it. So going into that off season, it was all about you know getting that opportunity again. And you know, um, you know, luckily I was able to uh, to get up there in 15 and you know do some good things. So let's back up. The Giants were actually the third team to draft you. Why didn't you sign the first two times around? Yeah, you know, I, I just didn't think it was the right situation. I didn't necessarily know if I was mature enough or, or ready to go into the grind of, you know, minor league baseball because, I mean, let's be honest, it is a grind, you know. It's different. So I just didn't think I was ready, and, you know, it never hurts to have a few more years of education. So I was just waiting for the right opportunity, you know, the right moment when I thought I was ready to, to go in there and give it my best my best shot. Um, the, the start to your minor league career – uh, maybe a little bit bumpy numbers-wise. What stands out uh, from your year in the Arizona Rookie League? Yeah, I think it was just, you know, trying to figure it out. Like I said, uh, pro ball is a whole new animal, right? You know, in college, there's a lot of good athletes and, and all that, but once you get to pro ball, it's the best of the best of all the college athletes, especially that first year. So I think it was just trying to figure things out. 
Um, I eventually, the, the following year, started throwing my sinker, which, you know, kind of helped me out a lot along the way. So I think it was just, you know, still still trying to figure out what kind of pitcher I was and, and, uh, and you know, just trying to, you know, find my way through the, through the ups and downs. Going to 2010, you're in single-A Augusta, Georgia. This is, this is not the, the glamour life yet by any stretch. Uh, you go 5-13 and 13 as a record, but you show enough to be promoted the next year. So what, what was the story of what was going on with you that year? You know, I, you know, I think it, it, was, it was more of that. That's kind of the year about halfway through. Um, you know, I had Steve Klein as my pitching coach, who, who was awesome. I love him to death. And, uh, you know, one day he just kind of said, hey, man, like, try to throw sinkers. I threw a two-seamer every once in a while, and it sank, and it was a good pitch. And he just said, hey, why don't you, you know, just throw that and kind of thing. And, you know, thank God he said that because after that, it's kind of – things started clicking a little more. And, you know, I was able to get ground balls and, and you know, show enough for the rest of that year to – for the Giants to give me the opportunity to move up. And, and then I was able to capitalize on it from there on out. So while you're working on all that, in the meantime, the Giants are in the midst of, of winning the World Series. So what's that like for a minor leaguer within the organization when you're watching the big club take it all? Yeah, except, you know, when you, when you first come in, uh, when I got in in 2009, it had been, you know, for, forever since they'd won a World Series. Um, so, it, you know, just getting in and, and, and realizing, like, wow, you know, you're part of an organization that did that. And then they decided to, you know, rattle off three of them in a in five-year span. You know, so it was just a special time. And, you know, minor leagues or major leagues in that organization, it was a, uh, it was a pleasure to be a part of it. And then you finally make your way to uh, the Bay Area in 2011, but in the form of, of San Jose. You go 12-4. and four. You certainly catch the eye of, of the organization. You're just down the road. What do you remember from that year? What stands out? Yeah, I think that's when you know, things really started rolling for me. I was able to, you know, get that sinker going, and, and I got a lot of ground balls, and, and that was needed in that league. You know, it's a, it's a hitter-friendly league out there. Balls fly. So I think, you know, once I, once I got into a little groove there, it, you know, I say it all the time, it's all about how confident you are when you're going out there. And I definitely had some confidence built up at that point and was just able to uh, – to do a lot of good things that year. And I think, you know, that was kind of the year that that thing started to, to click and that little light bulb went off, you know, like, hey, man, maybe I got a chance at this. I, I've always wondered about the dynamic of, of playing and playing well with San Jose because you're right there in the shadow of the organization. You're surrounded by the actual fan base. So it's got to feel like you're right there. But at the same time, you're only at high A ball. So it, it, it's got to feel almost like a, like a teaser a little bit. What, what's the dynamic like? Yeah, being, you know, being right there, you are so close. And, and you know, just to add to it, they usually rehab guys are, are usually making a stop in San Jose. So you constantly have, you know, big league guys coming in and out of the clubhouse uh, doing rehab assignments and all that. So, you know, you, you, you feel like you're right there. And that's when uh, – you know, that's like I said, you know, that light bulb goes off. And, you know, if you can have some success at that level and, you know, being so close to, you know, San Francisco, they're able to get a lot of personnel, you know, front office personnel come to the games and stuff. So, you know, I think that's kind of if you're going to do it in the Giants organization, that's almost the place to, to have things start clicking. And luckily that was that year for me. Do you remember any interactions that year with big league guys who, who came to San Jose for rehab? 
Oh, there were so many. I mean, those guys would come down, um, you know, Pat Burrow came down one time and we didn't have a clock in our, in our, uh, like players lounge where the TV was. And, and he thought that was outrageous. So, you know, he sends the guy out to go get a clock immediately. So anytime those guys were down, you know, they were, <laughs> they were, they were constantly taking care of us, you know, and that, that was the, that was the, uh, you know, like the little cookie about being there. And, you know, those guys were always around, you know, usually when they come down, they buy a nice spread for the team at night. So, you know, you were eating good. You were, you know, playing good and, you know, you're, you're getting that taste of, you know, you're so close, but yet so far, I guess. So the following year, uh, you're the Eastern League Pitcher of the Year at the double-A level. You're really starting to, to smell it, I would think. And, and shortly after that year, they add you to the 40-man roster, which, as you know, that means any day you could get the call. How does that change life for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, that that's a complete game changer. You know, not only do you start, you know, monetarily-wise, able to support yourself and do things at that point, but, you know, you, you are so close. You know, you're right there. You're knocking on the door. You're a few, you know, things happening from, from getting an opportunity of a lifetime. And, you know, that's when, um, you know, like I said, the light goes off and it's like, all right, now, you, you know, you had it. You had thought that you were that person. And then that kind of is that solidification that the Giants think you're that person. too. Uh, a lot of people won't remember this, but before you ever made it up to the big club, you were designated for assignment and released. You were brought back three days later, but... Take me through the release and, and what that day was like. Yeah, it was just, you know, crazy timing with a lot of things. I, I had actually hurt my elbow that I spoke of earlier. That was kind of the injury I went through. Um, I had some bone spurs taken out of my elbow, and it was just bad timing. I wasn't doing well. I was taken off the roster at the same time, and, you know, that was just the smartest, you know, decision at the time to be released, re-sign with the team, go through my rehab process with the Giants. And, uh, and it paid off, you know, they have some of the best, you know, medical guys around, you know, Tony Rally, who's, who's still with them now, their PT up in the, up in San Francisco now, but at the time he was a minor league guy. I mean, you know, I trust the guy with my life. So, you know, having those kind of guys around to, uh, to help you get through it all is, uh, it was a huge thing. Does that light a fire under you in any way? I mean, I know, as you said, it's mostly it's mostly health-related, but is there anything mental that, that takes place at that moment? Yeah, and, and for sure. You know, it's those ups and downs, um, you know, especially because it happened so quick to me. I was, uh, you know, I had just been put on the roster that, that season before, and as, as soon as, you know, it was a couple months in, I had these issues, and I wasn't pitching really well, and it was a business decision to, to take me off the roster, but everything happened. So, you know, it was a lot of ups, you know, I was on a high horse and then it kind of brings you back down to reality a little bit. And you realize like, you know, as quick as, you know, you can be there and close, that's as quick as it can be, you know, far away again. So it was just, you know, flipping that mentality of, you know, it's time to work again and, you know, kind of prove myself. So let's go to 2014. Uh, you're, you're pitching in AAA. You do really well. You're back on the 40 man roster in September. And then a few days later, there's the call. Take me through that day. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's the day you dream of from when you're a little kid, right? So just to, to have that opportunity to to call my family, I mean, you know, that, that's a special moment. I'll always remember, you know, calling my dad and my, my mom, you know, my sister the first time, uh, my girlfriend at the time, now wife. So just calling those people and, you know, sharing that and them knowing how hard, 
you know, I'd worked and how much I wanted that. So I think that was the coolest thing about the whole deal was, you know, finally realizing that, that you're there and, you know, being able to share that experience with your, with your, you know, close family. That's who you called, but who called you? How did you find out? <laughs> yeah. Um, so we actually got, we actually found out when we walked in, we had a Sunday day game, um, early day game, last game of the minor league season. And I was actually scheduled to start that game, which I did start. Uh, but they called me in before and said, you know, all the coaches were in there. It was, uh, you know, Bobby Mariano, Andy Skills, and uh, Dwight Bernard was the pitching coach, and they all pulled me in and, you know, sent me down. And, you know, you kind of have that, you know, butterfly feeling that something good's going to happen, and, you know, they laid it on me. So, you know, that was, a, that was a pretty special time. And then I, you know, went out there and pitched. I think I threw five innings or something. And then, you know, we were on a plane after that to, uh, to meet the team in Denver. And then your first actual big league appearance is against the Dodgers of all teams. What was that like? Yeah, it was cool, you know, and I think I kind of was blessed a little bit. I think we were getting routed in that game, like 17 to nothing or something. So, it, <laughs> you know, to, <laughs> you know, you're, you're nervous, <laughs> as bad as that is to say, but you're nervous to begin with. I mean, don't get me wrong. I was nervous as heck, but, you know, being able to go out there and just, you know, make pitches and not have to be perfect, um, was really a, a nice thing that I got lucky about. And yeah, I think, you know, a couple of us made our debut that day. Uh, Brett Bochy made his debut right in front of me, good friend of mine. So it was just a cool, cool thing for everybody. Uh, you get a few outings that month, uh, of course, not on the playoff roster. And as we know, the Giants go on to win their 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 third World Series in, in five years. And they grant you a ring. Like, that, that that's something that the team uh, – made sure was a reality. So what did that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, that's awesome for them to take care of us like that. Because like you said, I mean, we, we didn't have had nothing to do with their playoff run and, and doing that. But, you know, because we were there in, in September and, you know, we were we were part of, you know, what they did then. So I think, you know, they, they, they thought about us in that way, which was, which was cool. And, you know, I have that keepsake forever. You know, that's the first thing. You know, a lot of people want to see when they come over to my house for the first time is, hey, man, where's your World Series ring? <laughs> you know, so it's a cool, it's a, it's a really cool keepsake. You know, it's something I'll keep forever and, you know, pass along to my little boy. All right, so take all of our listeners into that very question. Where is the ring? It's in a safe. Keep it in a safe, locked up. Um, only bring it out when, uh, when somebody asks to see it, possibly if I, if I guess if I like the person enough, I'll show them. But um, <laughs> no, all joking aside, uh, you know, I keep it locked up just just for safety, fireproof safe, just so nothing happens to it. Uh, has anyone ever come over and asked to see it, and you say no? <laughs> oh no, they haven't. No, I'm, I'm not okay. that kind of guy. I'll, I'll, I'll show anybody. But then again, there's not many people coming to my house that I wouldn't trust, anyways. So. Right, so that's, right, good uh, point. So, yeah, so anybody there, you know, I, I've never said it. Have you ever worn it anywhere? I, I've worn it once. Um, we went when, in 2015 when we went to the White House. Um, I was part of the, the big league team at the time, so I was invited with the, with the team at the time, and we met President Obama. And uh, I wore it then. That was the one time, you know, I did. Uh, the whole team wore it. It was a celebration of the World Series. Um and I had one, so it was a good time to, to, to flash it a little bit. Uh, what are those interactions like? What, what was your day in D.C. like? It's, you know, that, that's really cool stuff. I mean, that's perks of, 
you know, being a professional athlete with stuff like that, getting to, you know, stroll into the White House and, you know, shake the president's hand at the time. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a really cool, almost surreal feeling, right? You know, just a guy from Florida is, you know, shaking the president's hand at some point. So, um, you know, that's, that's really cool. And those are those perks of, uh, you know, being a professional athlete and, you know, winning a world championship. Matt Kane gets hurt early in 2015. You get the call again, but this time it's, it's for real. This is for some actual leg work to help a team early in the season. So did that time around feel different to you? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I had a really good spring and you know, I was close out of spring and, you know, it was really early to happen. And I hate that it happened to Kaner because Kaner was one of those guys that took care of me. You know, when I was in A-ball, he, he took care of me. So, you know, you hate to see somebody who, who, you, who you care about go down in front of you, but it was a good opportunity. And, um, you know, I was able to, to carry on my spring training, um, you know, confidence and, um, you know, carry that right into that first start of the, of the season I had. I think it was our second or third game in, in, uh, in Arizona. And, uh, you know, I was able to capitalize and, you know, get a couple more and, and keep it rolling from there. Yeah, let's go a little further into that day. It, it was the day after you were called up, and your memory is on. It was the Diamondbacks, and you gave up zero earned runs in six innings. So take me through that day. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get there. It was funny because I had just flown to Arizona or to Sacramento because I had broke with the AAA team. So I got on a plane that morning, flew flew the day. That was actually the day before. So then for that whole crazy story, but that, the actual day, you know, it was uh, getting there and then, you know, getting the win, you know, getting your first first big league win, the real – or my second start. But, you know, I had, I had that confidence rolling, and I got into, you know, a good situation and was able to get a win for the team. You know, one thing about some of your great moments is that you can get things rolling in the strikeout category. May 12th, you struck out 10 Astros in another victory. Did you kind of consider yourself a, a strikeout pitcher when you had it rolling? Yeah, you know, there were, there were those few days when – and those days were usually when I could, you know, kind of throw my sinker where you want. And I was able – I always had a decent breaking ball. So, you know, those days are – are few and far between, but everything kind of comes together sometimes. And, you know, you're able to spin breaking balls and throw them where you want and, you know, bounce them when you want. And those are the days that the strikeouts start to rack up. You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword, though, because, you know, the next game you go out there trying to punch out 10, and next thing you know, you're out of it in two innings with, uh, with 10 earned. But, you know, it's uh, those days, those days you like to, you know, ride them out and, you know, stack them up when you can. Okay, quick pause to thank our sponsor, T-Mobile. It's never been more important to stay connected. And T-Mobile has taken steps to support customers along with frontline workers nationwide during these uncertain times. They've been amazing. T-Mobile responded to customer needs by increasing network capacity, lifting smartphone data caps, and increasing data allowances for schools and students in the Empower Ed program. They've also committed to donate $2.5 million to over 100 local schools and Boys and Girls Club of America, which provides childcare for our nation's first responders and healthcare workers, meals for families in need, and more. T-Mobile is committed to supporting customers, communities, and thanking frontline workers across the nation. Visit T-Mobile.com for more information. And now back to Inside Giant Moments. All right, June 9th. 
City Field in New York. It's, uh, it's the bright lights, and it's a big city, and it's a big performance. So let's start pregame. How are you feeling in the bullpen? Worst I've ever felt, to be completely honest. Um, funny really? story about that. So I'm, yeah, so I'm in the bullpen. I, I may have thrown a strike in the bullpen, if that. Just rough. And, you know, walking out and, you know, Rags, <laughs> Rags, you know, a great guy, and he, he kind of slaps me on the butt on the way out of the bullpen door, and he goes, good luck. Like, you know, go get him tonight. Good luck. And, uh, and if, you know, funny enough, it ends up being the, the night I throw a no-hitter. And, you know, I guess something just happened or I was able to attack the zone and, and you know, figure it out on the, on the mound. But I tell everybody that story because I think it's funny, you know. So when Rag says good luck, is there almost like a sarcastic tinge to it? Oh, yeah, yeah. He's he seen the whole uh, pregame bullpen. He knew I threw one strike in there. So, you know, that's just a, that's just a little like, hey, man, go get him, rookie, you know. Um, but, oh, you know, it's, it's funny the, the way it worked out the way it did. did. Did you ever experience that at other times in your career? I mean, I, I just remember, you know, playing, I mean, high school basketball or, or even, you know, I like to play golf now. Sometimes your warm-up is exactly the opposite of what happens in the game, and, and then vice versa. Like, do, did you have bullpens where you're like, man, I am on today, and then you get out there and it all blows up? Oh, yeah, it always happens. You know, it, it, the bullpen is no tell what's going to go on out there. You, know, you could feel great and give up 10, or you could feel horrible and throw a no-hitter. Um, and you're right. Some guys, you know, I've played with guys who, who actually lived by that. You know, if, if they didn't throw good in the bullpen – you know, they didn't want to be in the game because they, they just thought. And it may have been a psyche thing, but, you know, it's definitely something that, that you see all the time. Uh, back to the game, uh, a big deal going on in the other bullpen as you're warming up also. It was Noah Syndergaard on the mound for the Mets in that game. So uh, is there a mindset going into the game that you're going to have to try to win a pitcher's duel? No, not necessarily. You know, you're just trying to study the hitter's. You know, you don't get – try not to get too concerned with, you know, who's on the other side of it. If you have a good game plan going into it, you study the hitters, um, you know what you're trying to do when those guys come up, then that's the main thing. I mean, you know, obviously I, I look at those situations more from the hitting standpoint, you know. <laughs> like when I see that guy in there, I'm like, oh, crap, i got to stand in the box against this guy who throws a million miles an hour. Um, so I think about it more like that. You don't really try to get caught up in, you know, who they have on the mound and just try to worry about, you know, handling your business out there. By the way, people won't remember, but that went well too. Fourth inning, you're up one, nothing. You rip a two run single off the guy. Uh, it's your first career runs driven in. So what was that about like? Yeah. Right. It's kind of one of those things you just close your eyes and it hits the, hits the bat, I think. Um, I think I shot it. I think I shot it through the four hole over in uh, to the right fielder. Um, just, just super late. Um, got it on the barrel though, and, and was able to hit it and got the first couple of RBIs. So I like to talk about that one just as much as I like to talk about the no hitter. Uh, it's also interesting that you didn't feel good in the bullpen because when the game did start, I mean, it was gangbusters right away. You struck out three of the four, uh, first four batters. So uh, uh, it, it, does the groove immediately show up right there? Are you feeling different the minute the game starts? You, you just start, yeah, I think it's that time in between, right? You go in, you're the visiting team. So you, you get that, that three outs to kind of sit there and gather yourself. And then it's just knowing that, hey, that doesn't matter in the bullpen. And going out there and just 
basically Buster, I'm sure he probably was like, Hey man, I seen what just happened out there. Let's just set up right down the middle and see what happens. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, that's when, you know, I was my best. If I could just throw it and, and let my sink kind of do what it did. Um, that's when I was, you know, when I would get in those kind of grooves. So Buster knew what he was doing back there. He's a, he's a smart man. All right. What inning is it when you start thinking about it? Maybe like the seventh or eighth, you know, I've been in positions in my career. I'm not in the, in the big leagues, but you know, where you get through seven, you know, and you start to think about it and it's, course the next guy gets a hit or something so right. you know I, I i was still it's the big it's the big leagues right these guys are the best hitters in the world so you know i didn't really start thinking in so maybe the eighth you know I, I think i started breathing a little different you know when i would look up at the scoreboard so maybe around then and then you know i just came to the conclusion like hey i'm not going to get beat you know trying to be perfect i'm going to just continue to see what buster throws down and throw it as hard as i can uh, interesting that you say you started breathing a little differently, like like physically. How uh, how do things change in that eighth inning? Yeah, I mean, you know, your heart starts going, you start getting that adrenaline, which you know, it's it's something to feed off of too. But you definitely, you, you know, you're breathing different, trying to trying to make sure you're breathing. Definitely in the ninth inning, I think that's all I was really focused on was not passing out kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you just try to, you know, just try to, you know, it gets nerve wracking. It really does when you start thinking about it. And that's why I, I tried not to think about it as long as possible. How are the guys treating you in the dugout in those late innings? They, you know, they, they all start to kind of move away. Um, you know, the guys would always talk to me. I was the kind of pitcher that, you know, I like to know if, if, if something was going on or, or whatever they thought, you know, I, I like that encouragement from the guys. So, you know, you start to notice that nobody's nobody's getting around you and, and that. And I think there was a time in, like, maybe the seventh or eighth inning even, I, I got a hit and got thrown out. I got a hit, I was on base, and then got thrown out of second base and took a hit away from Nori Aoki. Um, and, uh, and I felt so horrible. I mean, I'm in the middle of, you know, it's like the eighth inning, possibly throwing a no-hitter, and I'm apologizing for taking a hit away from Nori you know, in game 40 of the season or whatever. And everyone's just like, what are you doing, dude? Like, just focus on pitching. <laughs> so, right. you know, the, the, dugout, the dugout thing is uh, they, they, try to keep, they try to keep you focused and, and stay away from you, that's for sure. All right, as you guys are entering the bottom of the ninth, what does Bochy say to you? Nothing. Same thing. Go get him, S. You know, he's uh, – you know, it's not, it wasn't his first rodeo with the no-hitter. It seems like one of his pitchers rattled one off every year. Um, so he was probably just an, it was another, you know, day at the field for him, I would imagine. But, you know, nothing, you know, just go get him, you know. And uh, and just, the, you know, you know he, he's got, you know, you got his confidence, right? He, he sends you out there because he thinks you can get the job done. So, uh, so you know, just to go get him and go fire away. I got to think it's a moment you remember. You, you, you go out to the mound. You've already detailed how you're trying to focus on breathing and, and not passing out. And then you hit the first batter that you face in the ninth. So at that point, are you looking over your shoulder? Are you looking to the dugout? What, what's going on there? I, I'm just thinking, for one, you know, it's, it's never fun to throw out of the stretch to begin with. And then, you know, maybe possibly the biggest three outs of my life, I, I get them all from the stretch. So that's the first thing I thought. Like, sure enough, I'd go out there and, you know, put one in the middle of, you know, uh, someone's back and then be pitching out of the stretch, <laughs> pitching out of the stretch for the rest of the And the worst thing, I ended, up, I ended up playing with them and 
you know, I was trying to throw a fastball away to a right-handed hitter and end up missing the, missing the guy or missing my spot by 15 feet and hitting him in the, in the back. So it, it was definitely one of those things like, oh, crap, here we go. Well, and that was an interesting note about the game is that you had no walks, uh, but, but it wasn't a perfect game because you hit three batters that night. But it was that close to not just being a no-hitter, uh, instead being a perfect game. Do you, do you ever run those three at-bats through your mind? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was just one of those things, and I think it worked in my favor, honestly. I mean, I was, you know, trying to throw fastballs away and hitting people in the back. So I'm sure they were going up there thinking, like, man, this kid doesn't have a clue where it's going. Um, <laughs> so I, th- <laughs> I think it worked in my favor, honestly. I mean, you know, maybe they didn't dig in as much or, or whatever, but you, you always replay those ones, you know, and, you know, it stinks, you know, that, that it worked out that way. But still, you know, being able to do the no-hitter, I'll take that. Is anyone in the bullpen in the ninth inning? I believe they did have somebody down there. I think Javi was, was warming up um, very discreetly. I think they got him uh-huh. up just to, just to the in case. I think he told me, you know, shortly after that, you know, that he was, he was kind of just playing catch, you know, to where I couldn't see him kind of thing. But I think just to, you know, just in case things, especially putting one in someone's back um, first pitch, I think they were just, you know, let's make sure he's going to get through this inning one. So just cover their own, uh, just cover it in the, in the bullpen side. All right, so there's a man at first, and the batter is Daniel Muno, and you strike him out looking. What, what, what do you remember from that at bat? I remember it being a, uh, a, a, a very favorable call on my part with the curveball <laughs> to strike him out. And, uh, and I actually played with Danny later on, too, and, you know, we, that was the one thing we talked about all the time. He would always walk by and be like, that was a ball. And, uh, and, you know, it, it, it may have been, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll take it for sure. So I do remember that, yeah. you know, because we had so much That's... banner about it later. Second batter, Curtis Granderson, and again, strikes out looking. What do you remember there? Just don't, I mean, he, he is a veteran hitter, you know, one of the better ones to ever do it. So, you know, that one was one, you know, I was trying to buckle down on a little bit. I had thrown some good pitches um, to him previously in his at-bats and struck him out with, you know, inside sinkers that kind of started on his hip. So, you know, we just stuck to the plan. And, you know, I think he wasn't very happy with the call either, but uh, I think that one was a strike. That one was a strike. I've I've looked at these, Chris, and and the Muno one was outside. (laughs) But but the the Granderson one was a strike. I'm going to give you that one for sure. So uh, now you're one out away. What what do you do before that batter? Take a deep breath and and tell myself, like I I said, you know, start the inning. Whatever Buster puts down, I'm just going to throw it as hard as I can. And that's all I was focusing on, you know, just trusting that, you know, we'd get the right sign down and, you know, just trying to execute, execute the pitch and, you know, get it done. That last batter is Ruben Tejada. Walk us through the entire experience. Yeah, you know, just trying to attack the zone. I was, that was another guy, you know, I, that sinker away, he, he kind of gives up on really early. Um, and that's the pitch I struck him out on. And he was another guy that I ended up playing with later on in my career who, thought it was a ball uh i'm i'm still on the side of that one was a strike so it's yep. funny how everybody has their different and, and uh interpretations of it but uh 
you know, it's funny having that banner with guys later on in my career, getting, you know, getting to play with those two guys. I don't know if you can find the words to describe what it felt like as Buster squeezes that last strike, but, but what, what goes through your body in that moment? City Field, 23,155, the paid crowd. Everybody's standing now. Heston is one strike away. He's into his stretch. Now the pitch. Strike three called. He has done it. Chris Heston has pitched a no-hitter. The 17th no-hitter in the history of the Giants. And it is Chris Heston who pitches it in his rookie season. Just wow. You know, it's it's something you do when you're in the backyard as a five-year-old. You know, you two outs. Two, three, two count, right? Strike him out for the no hitter. Um, so just getting to live that, and you know, realizing that position or that that time frame that 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 happened, and you know, I was able to breathe again finally, and you know, getting a Buster hug. You know, it's not like he gives those out every day, so that was uh, that was a pretty cool thing. Yeah, the Buster hug. I mean, this is kind of an iconic thing, and you're one of the few people who has one. Yeah, I snuck in there for a hug, man. I mean. He's a nice guy. He'll probably give you a hug if you ask for one. But, you know, getting the iconic buster <laughs> hug on the field, uh, it, it's pretty special. I mean, that's up there is, uh, you know, one of those achievements that, that I get to hang on to forever. Yeah, if you, if you just hug buster like in some random moment, I don't think that counts as a buster hug. No, no. you got It's got to be on the field after doing something pretty cool. <laughs> You know, Chris, this all happens in New York, which I, I think is an added dynamic to what we're talking about. The fans there stayed. They gave you a, a, an ovation afterward, even though a lot of them are, are road fans. That that had to feel pretty unique. Yeah, you know, that's awesome to to, to have that support from the other fans, you know, and, and they, the whole ninth inning, you know, they were standing up, you know, rooting me on, so – you know, in, in a place like New York, I mean, we all know how they are diehard about their, their sports, right? It's, it's, it's live or die. So, um, you know, to, ha- to have that support from, from the opposing team, um, you know, definitely helps with, uh, you know, my mindset and momentum going into it. What was that night like after the game, the next few days? I, I have to imagine that, that everybody you've ever met in life is, is reaching out. Yeah, you know, everyone's reaching out. Um, it was it was really cool. Quick backstory um, on the game. So my my little league coach, who was a diehard Mets fan, grew up in Queens. Um, he'd been my coach my whole life, little league through high school. That was actually the first game he came to to watch me pitch. Um, so the day after, you know, getting to hang out with him and you know him just talk about how you know that's something that he'll never forget um, was really cool. But you know, to expand on it, just. You know, when you get to the field the next day, you know, the, the reporter, you know, you're obviously doing, I would do an interview after I would pitch normally, and that would be about that until the next time I would pitch. So, um, you know, you get there the next day, and, you know, you, you're on, um, you know, you're on all these, you know, radio shows and, and doing all kinds of stuff. And, you know, and then the Hall of Fame was in there taking some of the, uh, some of the memorabilia from the game. And, you know, it's just you kind of have to pinch yourself because – you know, it, it's one of those things that's, uh, that's kind of surreal. Did your Little League coach come to any other games? Because it sounds like he might have been your good luck charm. I know. I tried to talk him into it, but uh, 
he said I did I did his nets wrong. So, so he no uh, he uh, that was the one game he came to, you know, and and it was just crazy because you know he was always a Mets fan and, and die hard, and that was the first time he saw me pitch professionally. So to have him in the building when I did that, I mean, that was the icing on the cake for sure. Did I hear a story that so many people were calling and texting within the next 24, 48 hours that something happened to your phone? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it gets kind of crazy, you know. And it's awesome, you know, people that you haven't talked to in a long time and they're reaching out and congratulating you. And it just, uh, and it just really, you, you feel the love, right? And, and that makes anybody feel good. So, I, yeah, I think I had some phone glitches or, or some stuff like that with, with all the overload, but... Uh, like I said, that stuff is, is really cool that you have that kind of support. Uh, to this day, this remains the most recent Giants no-hitter. It's the most recent Major League no-hitter by a rookie. Uh, so this was really a, a, a rare event. How often do you stop, reflect on it, think about your place in the, in the history of the game? Yeah, you know, every once in a while, um, especially every June 9th since then, you know, you, you really start to – you know, stuff comes up on Twitter and, and it brings back some really good memories. But you know, every once in a while, um, you know, with my current situation, right, and, you know, being out of baseball with shoulder injuries and all that, you know, just being able to, to you know, stop and think like, hey, man, you know, it, it was a fun run. I did some really cool things while I was doing it. And, uh, and you know, I, I was blessed to, to have that opportunity. You know, you flirted with another no-hitter in San Diego later in the year. You, you finished the year 12-11. and 11. Your ERA is under four. Um, you know, almost all of your career victories were in that, as we called it, magical season. When you look back on it, how do you put that whole year into words? Uh, you know, crazy. It, it was a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of good things happening. But... Um, you know, it's a, you know, I was I was satisfied at the end of the year. You know, I I thought I gave I went out there, you know, 31 times and, and gave it everything I had and and uh, and you know the I, I kind of just started to slide there towards the end of the year. So it was just you know all in all it was it was a lot of fun and you know I thought it was a you know a real successful time. And. What about now, the, the team, the organization, the fans? When you look back on your time with the San Francisco Giants, the impact you had in what was a relatively short period of time, what really stands out to you? I mean, they're the best fans in baseball. They really are. You know, they, you know they're, they're not just there every day. They're, they're, they're in there with you, it feels like. They're, they're losing. They're winning with you. Um, and just the, the love that I still get to this day, right? That, that was, you know, five years ago almost now. And, and uh, I, you know, they still reach out and, and talk about how they loved that night and, you know, and, and thank me for, you know, my time with the Giants. So, you know, they, they really are. They, you know, they have that saying with Giants, like, you know, forever Giants. And it's the truth. And, they, you know, the fans don't forget about you. The organization doesn't forget about you. Coaches and teammates, you know, all the like. Yeah, no doubt about it. No one no one forgets that night. No one forgets that year. And uh, it's been a whole lot of fun to, uh, to relive it with you. Chris, thank you so very much for taking the time to do this. Yeah, thank you. That was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for listening to Inside Giant Moments, presented by T-Mobile. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review and share the podcast with your friends and family. 
For more exclusive conversations, subscribe to the Inside Giant Moments podcast presented by T-Mobile now. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.